Welcome to Long Distance Listening, a music podcast. Hello and welcome to Long Distance Listening. I'm Andrew. And I'm Nate. Welcome to our first of two year-end episodes. This one will be going through just some of our favorites of the year. And then the next episode, we will be talking about our top 10 albums of the year. This is always a really fun uh, time of year for us as music listeners to just be able to kind of look back at the year, see how did the year stack up versus other years and what some of our favorites in a bunch of different categories are it's kind of our grammys if you will because we nominate and they win automatically it's a very fun process for us but it's a fun time to create those lists and see um yeah just what the year looks like so nate let's just start out real quick what did you think of 2023 as far as music was this a really strong year for you was this a weak year um, are there certain genres that seem to to be stronger than others? Anything like that that you want to kind of say before you start jumping into some of these detailed favorites? Uh, yeah, I think uh, without giving too much away, yeah, I would say overall this is a subpar year yeah. for me. Yep, with like my stuff I've listened to subpar. Yep, and just to make sure I wasn't missing out on anything, I I keep a list on Apple Music of like all the albums that have come out that I'm remotely interested in listening to. Mm-hmm. And so obviously I didn't listen all the way through on any of these. But I listened to, in the past few days, over 250 albums wow. that I hadn't really like listened to yet just to make sure I wasn't missing anything. Yeah. And even the stuff I liked from that, I didn't yeah. love. Yeah. And so overall, you know, that's kind of a stinker for me. That being yeah. said, for these award, for like the awards of the end of year list, I would say like, I like my end of year list. I think it's yeah. pretty good. It's more, you know, the top 10 and the honorable yeah. mentions where we get to next episode could be stronger, even though there's some great albums on there. But yeah. what about you? I feel yeah. like you said this was a pretty good year for you. I'm so I felt like it was tracking that way. But then I feel like whether it was myself or the release, I felt like there were some solid albums early in the year. And I just expected just a continuation of that. I felt like the last half of the year was really weak. So yeah. all of a sudden when I'm making my top 10 list and when I'm looking through all the music of the year, it felt like it was really front front loaded. Um this year and there weren't those albums that i was like oh wait till this one comes out that could make it or something like that um i think there weren't a lot of releases by my like tried and true favorite bands um Mm -hmm. so that hurts um a little bit and i agree it ended up feeling really weak um i might re-say this on the next episode but for my top 10 i basically felt like my sixth through like 12th favorite album were all about the same tier for me that I didn't get yeah. much difference between that. And I think that that probably shows in general how the year, how I view the year is there's a few 
maybe stand out or um, above par albums. And then there's a bunch of really good, maybe not great albums. Um, and then even looking at some of the albums on my list, I like doing this because I think you've done this in the past is like looking at some of the ones that make your top 10 and then looking back, would they have made your top 10 in past years yeah. and some years maybe. And other years, I, I don't think so. I think maybe it was two years ago now was a really strong year um, for me. And I think it was two or three. It was a few years back. I remember, like, I'm not sure half of my list would have made that top 10. It was a really strong year for me. So um, I agree. It was kind of uh, a downer year. The interesting thing is I probably keep up uh, unintentionally or intentionally probably more unintentionally, I keep up with metal more than you do. Um, mm -hmm. And I do think that objectively, this is a really good year for metal, but I don't listen to a lot of metal. So <laughs> it's that weird, like, I felt like a bunch of bands that I maybe was interested in the past came out with new stuff, and it was actually really good, what I heard, but I just don't listen to that style as much. But I also was yeah. like, it, I kind of can feel a resurgence of the metal genre and i feel like i'm it's not going to show up a ton in in my end of year lists and and everything but that's a style that i notice seems to have a, a resurgence of sorts um anything else that you notice from the year whether it's a genre uh resurgence anything mm -hmm. without getting too much into this uh yeah and i'll i'll set up kind of how i thought through this list as well yeah, because it's connected sort of to what you're saying. But one thing I wanted to add to what you said about like looking back at previous years, I look back at last year's um, records mm -hmm. and looking at my top 20 from last year, there was mm -hmm. at least like four or five albums in that 20 range mm -hmm. where I was like, Oh, those would be in my top 10 this year. Yeah. And so just the, like yours talking about that six through 12, yeah. like similarity, there's not a lot of like top end or not. I wouldn't say top end strength, consistent strength throughout the year. Yeah. In terms of this um, favorites list uh, are like Grammy ish thing. I would say uh, a tactic I took, which Andrew and you and I didn't talk about, and so you most likely didn't take it, but maybe you did, is I tried to stay away from using things from albums that would pop up in my top 10. Mm -hmm. So I tried to have as much like diversity as possible. Yes. And so with, for instance, like my instrumental album, my top instrumental album of the year yeah. is not actually my favorite instrumental album of the year because that's in my top 10. Yeah. And this is connected to what you said about where has this year been strong. Yeah. I feel like part of it is just what I've been listening to, but I've been listening to a lot more instrumental stuff. And so I feel like I'm a bit more, uh, my list has a little bit more instrumental yeah. than it usually might. Yeah. Because usually it would be zero yep. um, records. Yep. But yeah. Yeah. What a, no, I that, mean, that's good. I didn't quite follow that, that, but I do feel a pull for that. Um, it, and I think for the most part, it's going to be represented. There's not too much in my favorites that aren't in my top 10. Um, or I don't know if I said that right. 
but they will no, be pretty different. Um, uh, but I didn't make it a hard and fast rule, so there might be some double up uh, in there. But um, but yeah, you got to spread the love. And I think that's always a good thing for me. When I'm picking favorites, I usually have such a hard time. And I feel like I get down to two or three. And then it's like, okay, you got to look for any any reason to pick one over the other. You know what I mean? There's there's only a few categories I felt really strongly like this is number one. There's no number two or three like this is number one. But sometimes when you're looking for that, okay, what can I use to make this stand out or, or be my number one? Um, sometimes spreading the love is a good reason to do that as well. So, so yeah, I get that. Okay. Yeah. Well, should we jump into the list? Heck yeah. Okay. Let's just go like every other here as far as who starts it and who follows it up, and uh, we'll see how that goes. So, um, Nate, do you want to start uh, your favorite cover? Yeah, so uh, with a lot of these, I feel like I sit down and I'm like, okay, what's my favorite cover of the year? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can't think of a single cover that's coming uh, yep, out this year. Same. <laughs> and uh, that happens consistently throughout uh, yep. this list. And so the first one I thought of is actually on one of the albums of my top 10. So I was like, okay, I can't even do that. Yeah. And so um, I was thinking, I was thinking, and I was like, oh, yeah, idiot. Switchfoot literally released one of my favorite albums (laughs) of all time, a redo with covers (sighs) from, like, some of my favorite Uh artists, more modern artists. Yeah. And I don't think if you picked – a song from the same um from the same album i don't think we're gonna pick the same one yeah um but i went with uh day glows adding to the noise mm-hmm. um, which is obviously switchfoot track yep. and it's a switchfoot track that i think is actually really underrated i think the yeah. song gets a bit of hate from fans like it's i think probably universally considered the worst track on that album yeah but I love the original, yeah. and um, what I love about Dayglow's cover, I already like Dayglow going into this and think he's uh, decently creative, very catchy, um, has a lot of spirit, I would say, and genuineness with his music. Mm-hmm. But what I loved about his cover was he like totally respected the original, but made it completely his own. Mm-hmm. And he did so many. Fu- so he's, I mean, he's a big producer. Like, he self-produced, and so he, like, messed around with the track so much on a production level that I just loved. Um, And especially, like, the song, like, hinges on this, like, turn off your radio, and he, like, messes with the radio Mm -hmm. in the song and, like, the, like, effects on his voice. Just all these really interesting uh, Mm -hmm. techniques, which I just loved. Um. A close second on that record was Noah Gunderson's This Is Your Life, where he did literally the same exact mix, basically. I think it was like a bit a little bit heavier industrial mix, Mm -hmm. but his vocal performance was like incredible on that. So I did like that track. But Dayglow, he captured the heart of what I like about covers. Because generally speaking, I hate covers. Um but because they lack heart, lack passion, lack uh a personal commitment. I feel yes. like it's just like often mooching and copying somebody else's artistic beauty. So yeah. anyways, to make a long yep. story short, 
adding to the noise by Daigle. I should stop adding to the noise and <laughs> shut up. Uh, so, Andrew, what about you? Yeah, so um, this is a fun part of the end of year list where you realize the things that you completely overlook and don't even think <laughs> about, and then you realize they're maybe the correct answer. Like, I probably, if I had remembered, uh, what's funny is I remembered that album came out but never even thought of it as covers. Yeah. Like, I don't know why. Probably because Switchfoot was kind of the one putting it out, even though it was other bands' covers. Like, I just didn't even view it i scrolled right past uh any of those songs and uh yeah. and didn't think about it at all um great choice i probably could have chosen something um from that but i too forget what covers i've heard and i went and just kind of was looking for covers and one that i remember actually really enjoying um was so falling in reverse who i don't love falling in reverse but they did a stripped um cover of last resort by papa roach and it's literally just like piano um symphonic instruments like violin cellos and such and uh and vocals and it's like a really really stripped down emotional cover of that song which that song is just pretty heavy and in your face and it's really good i really listened to it just to be like i remember liking this one how is it and honestly, it's really good. I feel like a good cover, you kind of have to respect the original to a point, but you really should, if at all possible, do something really unique and different. And so what I love is it still sounds like the original in the sense like melody and everything's the same, um, but like that's where the resemblances stop, basically. It's really different. So um I think they did a good job because I never would have pictured that song stripped down, like really emotional cover of it. So, um, yeah, that's that. All right. I'm going to start us with favorite live performance, um, if that's cool. And my favorite live performance is I don't go to many concerts these days, but I went to a concert this year. I think I went to maybe two concerts this year. Like I really have not been going to concerts. Uh, you guys should get out there and support the artists you love, but uh, I got a kid now and I'm lazy. Um, and so um, the one concert I was at was a Muse concert and Muse puts on a million dollar show and they're genuinely like, even if you wouldn't like Muse, I feel like you'd like them live. It's just such a good show. So entertaining they'll do something i've never seen every single time i see them it's really impressive evanescence opened for them it was like their 20 year anniversary of their original album fallen or something and so that was even part of it but but genuinely um muse just i mean i could talk about it a long time but i don't really need to um muse was incredible this year and it was my favorite live performance how about you nate what was your favorite live performance yeah, so I feel very uh, similar to you outside of the having a kid thing, which soon I can't have an, as an excuse. <laughs> but the thing is, is I don't know if I went to, I know I did, I'm sure I did, but mm -hmm. I can't bet my life that I went to a single show this year. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's crazy saying that because I mm -hmm. feel like I had to have gone to see something. You'd think. But I don't know. And yeah. so 
regard even if I did go to a show, I probably still would have taken this tactic um, because thinking about this category, I think of all the live basically YouTube videos I've watched yeah. of artists from this year. Yep. And uh, my favorite of which was um, from the band Pine Grove, which mm-hmm. we've talked about once or twice mm-hmm. on this channel. And they released Montclair, which is a live record at uh, Wellmont Theater. And on YouTube, they have the actual recording of the whole show. And so I just love when there's like high quality recordings of, full shows and yeah. then it's cool to have the the album as well i think that's a really nice touch especially with them going on a on a hiatus i i would say calling it quits obviously i'm not them and of course they could come back but sure. it you just never know when bands go on hiatuses anymore yes. and this felt more like hey this is the end this is it. Yeah. um and so who knows but yeah so for them to release that live record, which is a compilation of a lot of their best songs, and for them being such a live band, like yeah. even their rec- studio recording sound live, yeah. and their live show is one of the best concerts I've ever been mm-hmm. to, uh, it was just so fitting for the band to end their career again, yeah. potentially, yep. um, in this way. And so I just yep. thought it was a poetic way for them to finish. Yep. But yeah. Um, right. So next category, we have music video. What is mm-hmm. the best music video or your favorite music video of 2023, Anthony? You know, I started the last one because I, I threw it off, didn't I? Um, do you want to start this one? Oh, yeah. I apologize. I feel like, well, now we just have to intro the next category and do it ourselves. But it's yeah, yeah, fine. I can do it's it. Fine. I can do it. No, no, I got it. Yeah. Next up. Next up, we got the best music video. Um, no, next up, we got the best music video, 2023. Um, I watch a lot more live mm-hmm. videos, I feel like, than I watch music videos. Yes. Um, music videos, I kind of keep them at arm's length often because I don't want yeah. them to ruin my perception of the song right away. I think I'm very visual as well as um obviously care a lot about the audio with songs as well but i feel like sometimes the visuals will like ruin my experience of the song and so um i don't watch a lot of music videos but a music video i did watch um when a single came out that i just really enjoyed the music video uh was for beach fossils and their Mm -hmm lead single don't fade away um from their most recent project yeah andrew and i did an episode on uh that album but Mm -hmm. the music video is super simple they just picked like i don't know 10 or 15 really this is annoying i'm gonna say it this way but very vibey uh locations Mm -hmm. where uh it really had the sense of loneliness emptiness of darkness um, most of the locations and it helped just create this really cool atmosphere for the song that the song and the visuals paired up so well. And so yeah. when it first came out, I probably watched the music video like four or five times <laughs> and nothing happens. He's just, he's just kind of swaying and 
sort of dances at a few parts, but it's yeah. literally nothing but vibes. And yeah. so I enjoyed the vibes. But yeah, yeah, what about you, Andrew? Speaking of enjoying the vibes, um, that would very much be my pick too. And it feels <laughs> okay. So I don't watch a lot of music videos at all, but I also like to support friends. So do I watch Kevin's vi music videos when they come out? Sure I do. So my favorite music video is one of Kevin Klein's music videos uh, for his EP Random Space that came out this year. And it was the one uh, for the song Trust, which oh, was yeah. also directed by one of Nate and Kevin's friends, Jacob Padilla, um, who I'm realizing everyone that he directs, I really like. So I think mm. he maybe, I don't know, like, Whatever he does, I'm just really enjoying. And I was watching it, and I liked that one, even though it wasn't the first music video um, released from that one, I liked it the most. And it was just something, it was really bright, like, vibey colors. It was really chill. It fit the song perfect. Um, and I looked and was unsurprised that Jacob directed it because I enjoyed it so much. So... Uh, that is my number one. I looked to see if there'd be other ones because I was like, not that I don't want to support friends, but like there's got to be something from like a way bigger artist that seemed like crazier than this. But if there were, I didn't care for <laughs> like it's just such a good music video. Well, yeah, and I I completely forgot about <clears throat> trust. I barely spend any time uh, thinking through the music video question, but trust was a really great video. Yeah, it really um, and is. It's not just saying that. Uh, I think like for such a simple video, it's like there's yep. the playground, yep. there's the truck, yep. and then there's the studio space. Yeah. Like there's a lot of really interesting creative yep. uh, shots. Yeah. And uh, I, I love the shot in there where I think it's in the bridge where – they show sort of like the behind the scenes of the of the studio. Yeah, wheel that is cool. The studio and yeah. just have this like lightness, this yeah. very childlike lightness mm -hmm. and fun, fun yeah. feeling to the to the video. Yeah. Yep. Agreed. All right. So our next category is best soundtrack of the year. Um, this one was pretty easy for me. I feel like this one sometimes is between one or two, but this one really for me was it was Oppenheimer. I love the soundtrack um, for that movie uh, by Ludwig um, Gorenson. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it correct. I'm probably not. But um, either way, it's such a good uh, soundtrack. I I think his use of strings on it is, like violin specifically, is one of the most impressive uses of that instrument in a soundtrack. How he does... Um, time changes on a violin and it feels so raw yet polished is super impressive and if you watch that movie I think it's it's definitely one of those some soundtracks kind of blend into the background and I think that that's actually a really good thing to do for soundtracks um, but I find myself the soundtracks that stand out and are like in your face are probably my favorite ones um, and I feel like Oppenheimer's soundtrack was like in your face the whole movie. Um, at least it was to me. So that is my favorite. How about you, Nate? Yeah, I chose. Um, I feel like Oppenheimer, despite uh, it's not much happens in that movie besides 
well, the explosion. And I yeah. don't mean that in a negative way. I just mean yes. there's not a lot of like action per se. Yes. Um, yet it's a very like, I don't want to say, I don't want to say booming uh, <laughs> soundtrack, but mm-hmm. it, it has, it has a lot of power to it and a lot of beauty um, and a lot of strength to it. I chose, uh, I chose a soundtrack that was a little more subtle and from a quieter movie overall. And uh, that is a soundtrack for past lives by mm. Christopher bear and Daniel mm-hmm. Rawson. And that was a, it's a beautiful, uh, I don't know how to describe the movie. Just like, I don't want to say heartwarming, but it's, um, I would say a complicated, real, thoughtful love story mm. that uh, just shows the complexity of growing up and young love and old love and all of those things when yeah. they uh, come together. And because it's such a quiet movie and there's a lot of uh, a lot of nothing that's happening, there's a, the soundtrack really is a I hate when people say this, but it's like a, its own character. Or like <laughs> you just you just really feel the yeah. soundtrack's presence, and so I remember watching the movie, and because there's so much space and time to think mm-hmm. and everything, I remember being like, "Man, I like really notice the soundtrack," mm-hmm. and rarely do I feel that in movies. Yeah, um, but it was just a real standout of a really great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next up, we have a favorite instrumental album. And uh, I'm going to start with a name that I probably cannot renounce. Um, (laughs) And so I'll stick with the title of the record first. Mm -hmm. I am Weary, Don't Let Me Rest Mm -hmm. by Snorri Hallgrimson. And sorry, Snorri. Um, (laughs) But... What it is is it's a orchestral um, instrumental record that basically it tells the story of a storm. And so you have the before the storm songs, you have the storm songs, and then you have the after the storm songs. And it's cool where how you can listen to a instrumental record and feel like you're going on a journey without any words um, and very clearly placed tracks, very methodical, but also uh, very beautiful, rarely utilizes choir, but when he, they, he does use choir, he uses them very well. Mm-hmm. And uh, overall just really great, the moments that are jarring are like painfully obvious. Um, you can feel the tension. You can feel the resolve. And uh, I don't know. I like when you, I like when instrumentals give you visuals without giving you visuals. It's, it's, it's a record that I can really picture what might be going on, even though I have absolutely no information, but the sounds and the track titles. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah great record what yeah. about you for uh favorite instrumental record so i do have a favorite one 
and I picked an honorable mention because I thought you were going to pick my favorite, and I'm sure that the way you were doing stuff forced your favorite, which I'm guessing is my favorite, into your top ten. Could be completely wrong here, but I'm going to start with an honorable mention, then I'll say my actual favorite. But there's an honorable mention. Uh, Sigaros did a um, a new album, Ada, which is incredible. It's so good. Um, but any year that Hammock puts out a record, I can't help but not choose that as my favorite because they are my favorite instrumental band um, of all time. Sigaros would be a close second, though. So this year for me, who I don't listen to a lot of instrumental. I listen to a lot of soundtrack. I don't listen to a lot of instrumental bands. Those are my top two favorite bands, uh, and they both came out this year. I wish that they would take different years. You know, that way I could <laughs> easily pick a favorite every year. But um, Love in the Void by Hammock might honestly be my favorite Hammock record, too. It's not even just that they're my favorite instrumental band, but I think that this album, I think objectively, it's one of their best. I think personally, it's probably their best um, for me. So that still makes it, um, yeah, my favorite this year. All right. So I love this category, and this one actually makes me do extra work every year, but I love I love this category. The next category is album from last year that we discovered this year. And we added this uh, maybe a few years back because I remember there was albums we kept like, man, like you get to the end of the year and like you say, you kind of miss some albums of the year. And sometimes you go back and you're like, shoot, that really should have made it my top 10. And then we go on to talking about the next year's music. And those albums get lost. And so this is a great opportunity to highlight some of those records. Um, there were a few that stood out. But what's interesting is, for me, all of the records that were in this mix were all records from bands that I liked but didn't love enough to listen to when they came out. So then I needed someone else to tell me later, oh, you should really check out that album. And that album for me this year is um, an album by the band Architects. They're a metal band, and they did an album uh, called For Those That Wish to Exist at Abbey Road. And what they did is they basically, it's not really stripped down versions, but they have a full orchestra at Abbey Road that they re-recorded live, a full record of their songs. It's still very heavy, but Architects is kind of in that middle ground where there's a lot of singing and stuff but they have like full like trumpets and amazing sections of brass like doing like almost brass breakdowns it's like one of the most unique things i've ever heard a band do and architects is from london i guess they had all the connections to go to abbey road and i think the sound obviously recorded there with the full orchestra um, and their own music is really unique. And I found myself going back to it again and again. And that was an album that I didn't even know existed as of last year, but it, it was released last year. So uh, fits this category. How about you, Nate? What was your favorite album of last year that you discovered this year? Yeah, so I agree. Totally love this category. That being said, I didn't have this year that yeah, like that obvious pick yeah. where I'm like, oh, clearly it's it's this album. Yeah. And so um, what 
I did have, though, was a record uh, that I do enjoy um, that I had no idea was a thing um, last year, and that is American Heartbreak by Zach Bryan. Mm. Now, Zach Bryan mm-hmm. is actually a, for those who don't know, <laughs> because if you listen to us, you're probably like us. Yeah. Or maybe not, but maybe not. you probably know very little about country music. Yeah. Um, but he, he's basically, a, I would say, an alt-country guy. He doesn't fit a lot of the stereotypes of country. Um, and, for instance, uh, this record, American Heartbreak, is 34 songs. And it is two hours and two minutes long. And wow. Zach Bryan, he just he doesn't want to cut anything, I guess. Um, he's the crazy uh, Scorsese of yeah, exactly. Of music. Three and a half hours isn't <laughs> too long. For, nope, uh, nope, it's fine. For our, just right for our buddy Martin. <laughs> but yeah, no, Zach Bryan is similar. But the thing is, is that he writes good songs, so it's fine. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not saying I. I like all the songs and I'm not saying that I've listened to the whole thing in one sitting cuz mm-hmm. I haven't. Yeah. But he, for me being so not a country listener, mm-hmm. um the fact that there's a country artist that I enjoy is a triumph unto yeah. itself. I mean I I've, yeah. I've liked Casey Musgraves in the past, yeah. but I mean that's I'm even arguable on her style. Yeah, I mean she's she is country she's but less she's country. so like yeah, Not she's less country, country compared to other country. Yeah. And so, yeah, but he's what's crazy is he's huge now. Yeah. Um and yeah, I feel like this was a big year for him. It was. He had a record yeah. that came out this year, self-titled. Yeah. Um that's yeah, probably why I didn't know that. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah, that's my pick. Nice. All right. Next up, we have another favorite or least favorite and mm-hmm. that's the mis- most disappointing album of mm-hmm. the year so i mean it's pretty self-explanatory this is an album we knew about yeah and had high expectations yeah. and it ended up under delivering yeah technically this could be an album you still really enjoyed yeah. but um it's something that really failed to meet expectations so yeah. for me andrew's done a lot of talking about metal on this episode yep. and said as very appropriately and accurately characterized me as somebody who doesn't love metal anymore mm-hmm. and barely listens to metal. I still listen to some heavier stuff, but it's, it's not even metal. I feel like as much yeah. anymore. Um, and the one band that it's kind of kept, kept me in, like I've been able to have a foot still in the genre. Mm-hmm is silent planet Mm -hmm. and their new record super bloom is by far their worst record i feel like is it bad no (laughs) it's not bad it really isn't i think it's fine i think it's solid i know a lot of people liked it Mm -hmm. but for me they were the one band where i would always anticipate their new album Mm -hmm. and this is the first time of theirs that I've ever been let down and yeah. disappointed. Um, and 
I don't know if it has anything to do with Thomas leaving, if he did a yeah. lot of the writing and had a lot of the influence. They definitely changed genres yeah. or mini genres, you know. Yeah. And I think it was a cool sound they entered into. I just don't think they had the – maybe not the chops, but the I know they have the chops. I don't think yeah. they had the vision or the taste to pull it off tastefully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, I was just kind of – super underwhelmed yep. overall even though there's some good tracks on it yeah but yeah what yep. about you andrew yep so um uh when i told my wife which album was most disappointing for me she's like i mean we knew from the title right it's the album rated r by red um <laughs> so it's such a bad title um at least amy and i both think it's a bad title um so it is not a great red album. That being said, I've only listened a few times and I felt like, I don't know how long ago, um, uh, was it released the panic? I forget what record I really didn't like. I think it was released. The yeah. Panic. I think it was released. Um, the panic. they, they had the album release the panic. It wasn't good, mostly because they removed strings and kind of sold out. Like it wasn't, it wasn't a good record. Since then, I have enjoyed most Red albums, actually. Now, I don't think that they're as good as they used to be, but it seemed like they learned from their mistakes. There'd be occasional songs I didn't care for. Um, I think one of their albums, there was probably, like, by the end of the album, there was, like, three or four at the end that were just not great. But for the most part, I found some really good stuff. So I expected similar um, things from this. Now, they didn't fully get rid of strings on this but there are barely any strings on this album they basically did a another release the panic and use a lot of electronic stuff in there and i think it's just it's honestly poor songwriting some of the lyrics are so basic in it and there's like i think actually we were listening to that record coming out to visit nate and tori in boston and there was a song that was like, oh, this is like really heavy intro. This goes somewhere. And then it goes to the verse, and the verse sucks. It's like such a cool intro, and they can't follow it up. They they pull it back. The lyrics aren't good. The melody's not good. It just has a wrong vibe to it. And so I think it is fine. I'm sure I could like it more if I listened to it more. But the problem is I was disappointed enough by it that I haven't gone back to it. Much. So, um yeah, it's kind of one of those. I just wish it was better because I still feel like they have the ability to write good, um, if not really good songs. Um, yet there's something in their way, and maybe it's just them. Maybe it's them. They keep trying to change to do something different, and maybe I'm one of those annoying fans. It's like, go back and do your old stuff. But like, I really feel like they're only really unique and good when they're doing the style that they forged kind of at the beginning. So that's why I was disappointed. All right. Um, The next record is also a fun one or next, I guess, category is a fun one. All of these can be fun, but there's certain ones. Like I think for me, it's like covers. I don't listen to a lot of covers. Don't go to a lot of live performances. Don't uh, uh, watch a lot of music videos. So these are kind of just fun because I can actually kind of, narrow down from a lot of choices so 
Um, this next category is comeback album. So someone who released an album, maybe after a terrible album or maybe just subpar and, uh, and something that we feel like, oh yeah, they're back now. And so that for me was the album Norm by Andy Schaff. Um, I personally did not, I think Nate likes Wilds more than I do. And I think I like Neon Skyline more than Nate does. Um, but either way, arguably, this is his best album since The Party. Um, for me personally, I think I might like it more than The Party, which, sorry, Nate, we, this might be the last episode we do. But like, I really like this album. And at the very least, to me, there was two albums that are subpar that he released after The Party, and I did not feel like he had... I kind of felt like he'd just be a, a one-trick or like, I don't know, not a one-trick pony, but like, oh, yeah, like you release your best album, good for you, and now every album won't be good. And so for me with Norm, I was like, oh, no, like Andy Schaff still can write an incredible record, and um, and I find it to be just an album that I'll go back to um, pretty often this year. So that is my comeback album of the year. How about you, Nate? Uh, yeah, my, uh, mine comes from another favorite artist. Uh, Andy Schaff is one of my favorite artists. Another mm -hmm. one of my favorite artists is, uh, Ben Howard. And yes, back in the day, he was a part of that, uh, like indie folk movement, um, in the early 2010s. Uh, when he released Every Kingdom. And he showed that he wasn't a one-trick pony when mm -hmm. he released I Forget Where We Were, which is a beautifully dark, heavy, electric-driven record after doing um, a basically exclusively acoustic record before. And then, I mean, my expectations were so high after that because those are two of my favorite records of all time. Mm-hmm. And he released Noonday Dream, which was a snooze fest of weirdness and subtle over subtlety. Mm -hmm. um, and that's okay because he came back with collections from the Whiteout, which also sucked. And <laughs> uh, that was not good. And, you know, I feel like sometimes, and this is fine, like ultimately, I think the most important. Thing for artists as they make music is to make music for themselves first mm -hmm. um but sometimes when you make music for yourself it's not for anyone else and mm -hmm. i just felt like those two records like were so much the embodiment of that idea where it's like so weird um in a way where nothing clicked when i listened to them i was just yeah. like it felt weird for the sake of being weird and felt out of tune or all over the place just for the sake of it and obviously i could just be a bad listener but <laughs> i feel like even though i don't love his new record which is called is it um i felt like it was a good combination of taking that weirdness and actually writing good songs mm -hmm. um within the weirdness. And so 
it's not even close to his first two records. It's probably like a seven out of ten, but it's a really good, solid album that I yeah. can listen to and not be pissed off like the two mm-hmm. before it. Yeah. So yeah. All right. Um, we're heading into, I would say, the home stretch and probably mm-hmm. the top three categories. Yeah. And that is, uh, just a hint, uh, hint at album artwork song and ep so those are final three and with album artwork i for me i love two two things with album covers i mean i love more than that but two things i want to highlight is yeah i love albums that are a single color Mm -hmm. for the most part yeah um and then i also love unique portraits Mm -hmm. so like i love well first off there's so many portrait album covers that yes. when you see one that's fresh, you're like, oh, that's so great. Yeah. Um, and this this cover does both of those things. Mm-hmm. And it's the album Raven by Kalila. And it's this super dark ocean with her face looks like it's painted black and she's mm black herself but it's like everything is the color of the water and the color of her face are like merged together almost and it looks Mm -hmm. like she's either like drowning or emerging from the water and it's just this beautiful mysterious one and i say one note in a very positive way because i like that singular color Mm -hmm. Um, and it's a album cover that'll make you stop and be like, Oh, I have to listen to this. Um, mm-hmm. and the album's pretty decent too. Um, and so, yeah, that's my pick. What about you? Yeah. Um, I love, I don't know that it's just, you have to do something unique to me. There's too many album artworks that like, I think if you look back at like our high school times, all the album artworks start to look about the same, right? Like, kind of album artwork does a thing that I think art does in general, which is it just kind of picks a style and it goes with that. So I look for something that's very unique in that style, whether it's just executing at a higher level or doing something I've never seen. So I feel like this is the weirdest pick of all of mine because it's just one that I think is so weird and fun and it stands out every time I would scroll past it on iTunes. It's like, I can't, I don't think I've ever actually scrolled past this album because I always see the album artwork. And it's the album New Neighbors by Homecomings. Oh, yeah. I'm not sure if you can picture that cover, <laughs> Nate, but it's basically yes, just I some can. person holding like four different puppets and each puppet is making a different face. And there's weirdly like the more I look at it, the more I'm like, there's like like emotion in the puppets i i'm probably gonna like (laughs) sound so weird but like just look at the look at the album cover i genuinely think it is such a cool album cover and i had some other ones that probably were like just higher execution in a style i've seen but like this is technically just a normal it seems like they just have a spotlight on these four puppets and one person holding them at that angle and that's the picture like it seems pretty easy but there's something about it that's so cool. And I think in some ways, and I like the record. I have listened to it a few times. Nate had sent this to me. Um, 
I like the record. The album artwork probably isn't like the best representation of the album, but it's such yeah. a cool album. And not that it's bad. I just think there's probably other ones that's like you can't separate the art from the music. This one, I'm like, this is just objectively such a fun, cool, weird cover. And I think it could work over so many different styles, um, not just this. So I, I don't know why I picked it. I just genuinely, I think it's so fun. <laughs> so, all right. Moving on. Our second to last category is our favorite song of the year. Uh, this is probably every year actually the hardest one of all of these for me to pick to really narrow down to just one song is almost impossible. And the problem is I don't have um, Spotify to tell me which song I've listened to the most that could help. I have Apple music and all my songs that it said I listened to the most are all kids songs because uh, my, <laughs> all the songs we play for kid are tied to my account. So um, mine was probably technically um, baby shark, but, um, but I think it's for me, I'm going to pick the song Say It Now by Hannah Jadagu. I think that song is like, there's a few songs that I've picked in the past that that song reminds me of. And it's just like such a fun indie pop song. Like, I don't know how to, how to put it any differently. It's such a tight execution of that style. And I think um, I could pick, I don't, I don't know. There's just something you don't have to actually be in any sort of mood to enjoy that song. It's not one that's like, oh, man, this one hits really hard when I'm like really sad or really happy. Like, I think I think that song just works. It's super consistent and it's probably up there as far as songs I've listened to the most this year. But um, I think that's my favorite song of that record. I can't even remember if I picked that as my favorite song when we did the Hannah Chidaku uh episode i'd have to listen back but um it's my favorite now so uh for what that's worth how about you nate what's your favorite song of 2023 yeah i chose um freedom to f uh asterisk asterisk k off <laughs> by uh pd and i don't know why those two asterisks are there but uh, in the song, he says a, a pot. I don't know if you call it a potty word, but a, a swear word that Ooh. my mom told me not to say. So <laughs> that's why I'm not saying it here. Yeah. But, um, yeah, it's so Petey, he's so weird. And <laughs> I say that in such a positive way uh-huh. where he makes like some of the strangest and funniest, like short videos on like, social media and stuff and he's hilarious and then he makes like actually really good alternative indie rock yeah and it's like how like how are you doing this like i feel like you shouldn't be given more than one super sick skill yeah and he has at least two super sick skills and that's that's just so cool and so the reason why i like this song is I love the lyrics and I love the authenticity of the lyrics and I love the power of the performance. I feel like there's so much emotion within the arrangement mm-hmm. and just the the vocal performance and 
rarely, I, mean, I don't want to say rarely, but there's a, only a few songs, I feel like, a year where you have this emotional reaction to them that's different than your normal reaction to listen, listening to a song. And uh, the song, whenever I hear it, it, it puts me in a different place, makes me a little bit more thoughtful. And I, uh, yeah, just really appreciate this song. Yeah. All right. Final category, favorite EP of the year. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went with the band that seems to love making EPs. They haven't released an album since 2020, <laughs> but they've re- released two EPs since. And uh, that's a band, Boyish, and their uh, really hilarious EP title uh, called Little Demon Boy. And uh, it is just like there's not I don't I don't want to I'm going to say this in a mean way, even though I'm not trying to be mean. And it's literally my favorite EP of the year. But there's like nothing special about the, the EP. Uh <laughs> And I don't mean that, but they're just like so solid yeah. and so consistent as a band. Yeah. And they just make, uh, I would just say, really clever ro- pop rock songs that could be for like both like the emoist of emos and then also like the most popular of jocks. I would feel like, I don't know. They, they found a way to tap into so many different, uh, groups. I feel like for me with their sound and, uh, yeah, I just can't wait for them to release an album. So, (laughs) uh, I know. So yeah. What about you, Andrew? Yeah. So, uh, we're both on record saying we don't like EPs as much as full records. We like a really, I don't know if we, like albums to all be as uh long as zach bryan's but we do like lps we like full-length records um and so uh ep can be an interesting one sometimes they're standouts this was a standout year for me because a band that i really like put out an ep but i will give an honorable mention kevin put out uh random space kevin klein and i think it's a really really good ep i think he did a great job with it um but my favorite of this year is the album The Fear of Fear by Spirit Box. Sorry, I always get the... It's so weird because it's The Fear of Fear by Spirit Box. And Spirit Box, a few years ago, if you were listening, uh, was probably top three or four, their last full-length record that they put out, and then they just put out this EP. And every song is legit just such a banger. And it's annoying that it's only an EP, but I was hearing them talk about it and they basically like, we just didn't want to put pressure on ourselves. Like we have a concept and we're just going to see how many songs it takes to fill out the concept. And they're like, we would have just written a bunch of like, like for anyone who's mad that it's an EP, they're like, we could have written a bunch of subpar songs and released those, but we just felt like this was the tightest, best work we could do for that concept. So instead of watering it down and just getting more songs that aren't great, Let's just get the best songs and put them on an EP. And I like that approach. So I forgive them for putting an EP. And they said that they're going to work on an LP next. But um, I think that that is the right attitude an artist can take when putting an EP out is it's obviously not laziness. It's not lack of work, but it's what's the best fit for 
the music that we're currently writing and if that is an ep and if you can make an ep as good as the fear of fear uh, by spirit box i think uh maybe my views on eps will change slowly over time in case any band cares about my feelings on eps all right that's it we talked about our favorites in a bunch of different categories and we would love to hear from all of you as listeners on all 11 different categories what are your favorites i'm not going to re say all those categories but please reach out to us let us know what we missed uh maybe there's something we totally didn't talk about and or even think about that's your favorite please let us know we would love to hear that and if you would like to hear our next episode which we'll be talking about our top 10 albums on the year make sure that you subscribe and like the podcast that goes a long way um any we never mention about commenting and all that stuff but it does go a long way um to just making sure that it reaches the people that would actually enjoy the podcast and uh, you can also find us on socials at Twitter slash X and uh, Instagram at LDL pod. And you can also email us at long distance listening at gmail.com. Thanks so much for listening and have a great day. Grammys? My Grammy's dead.